You're just clapping because you know I'm going to tell you a joke. Well, yeah, yeah, I think maybe you're clapping for Sarah. All right, so here's the joke today. I, I heard this joke when I lived in Akron, Ohio. You know, there are a number of tire plants there. And a guy from in the back hills of West Virginia got a job at one of them. And so he's working there and, and they were hiring. So he called a friend of his and he said, hey, if you get here in two days, you can have a job too. So his friend said, all right, I'm going to go get in the car right now. I'll be there in two days. Well, a week and a half, two weeks go by and his friend comes straggling in. He, he stinks to high heaven. He's exhausted. He's worn out. And uh, his buddy in Akron says, well, you were, you were supposed to be here a week and a half ago. Where have you been? He said, well, I made really good time till I got to the Ohio line. And then I saw a sign that said, clean bathrooms ahead. He said, do you have any idea how many bathrooms there are between here and the Ohio line? <laughs> oh, man, listen, listen, I got to tell you, first service is sharper than you. They got that. Maybe I didn't tell it right. All right. Well, we're going to pray, then uh, we're, we're going to go into a message. I have a great interview today of a ministry, Woven 139, that uh, is happening here in this city, and we're really looking forward to uh, having Dan and Ellen Fitch uh, share with you. That'll happen in a few moments. Right now, let's pray. Uh, Father, we want to come to you and just ask for your, your presence here, just for you to bless this time. Just shine your face on us. Let us experience your favor. Give us hearts to pursue you, to pursue your kingdom above everything else. We just open our hearts to be taught by you now. Yeah, Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. You're God present here with us. So just show us more of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the last couple of weeks we've been talking about vision and mission, and we've been uh, trying to uncover some of what God's put in the heart of this church and what he's calling us to. And if you remember, we talked about vision as something that is a picture of the future. And so a vision is when, when it starts off as passion, I think, in your heart, and a, a passion that God puts there for something to be different, for something new, for something that is, is a future that will just draw your heart right into it. And so vision is a picture of the future that excites us, and it's, it's so compelling and so captivating that w- we say, well, whatever I have to do to get there, I'm going I'm to do it. I'm going to sacrifice in order to see that vision accomplished. So vision itself is something that comes from Jesus. We're not just talking about us as human beings trying to come up with the best thing we can and and the most wonderful future. But within the kingdom, vision is something that originates with Jesus. It originates in his heart. It pours over into our hearts. And then we we communicate it and we picture it and we see it and, and it draws us all in. And for that reason, it's, uh, it's something that will only com- be completely fulfilled when Jesus returns. But vision is something that, on the one hand, you can take steps into, but it will be completely fulfilled when Jesus returns. You know, I want to share something with you um, about the authority and power. And I-, I used to think this. I used to think 
that Jesus gave us authority and he gave us a certain degree of his power, some of his power, and that we were to operate in that today. And that's, that's when people are healed, we're, we're operating and releasing the power that Jesus has given us. But then one day it, it came to me, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. And so the power is here and the authority is here. And the problem is that uh, we're not glorified yet. You know, our minds are not renewed, not, not completely. And, and so we don't use it perfectly. It, we're new creations. We have a new nature. We desire it and we, and we pursue it, but we don't have it fully. And so what, what came to me was this, that when Jesus returns, he's not going to bring more power with him. I used to think that. I used to think, well, Jesus is going to bring the real power with him. But when he returns, what he's going to do is use the power that's already here. He's just going to use it perfectly. And he's going to institute it perfectly. And that's when the kingdom will be completely and fully realized on this earth. Now, now for me, that kind of changes my heart and my perspective. And it, and it does something to my faith and to my boldness. And I hope it does for you too. So just take that thought and just ponder it for a while, okay? And if, if it doesn't make sense to you now, just keep thinking about it. But... Um, as we thought about vision for our church and how we wanted to state it, we really take it from uh, Jesus and the prayer that he gave us. We refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. And right in the middle of it, in Matthew 6.10, Jesus said that we were supposed to pray this. We were supposed to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and so the idea that we, we are to pray that, and actually you can pray it, let, let your will come, let your kingdom, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, it, it's in the Greek text, it's almost a demanding type of a prayer. It's a passionate prayer. And because we're supposed to pray that, we took that as our vision statement. And so we are stating this as our new vision, that we want to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. That we want, we want to develop, not, yet we could say we want to be a community or we want to be a church body or a people, but we really, we want to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. And we, we chose that word culture because culture identifies a set of values that a community of people hold in common. And culture is actually something that, that is almost invisible because it's so much a part of the thinking and so much a part of Oh, it's, it's, it's uh, just become second nature. It's so much that, that it's not like something you have to consciously think to do. And that's really our desire is, and we believe this is God's desire for us as a people, that the culture of the kingdom would so fill our lives and so motivate us and so be a part of who we are that it's just second nature to us. And the, the idea to be a culture that welcomes, you know, we welcome the kingdom uh, we, we pray, let your kingdom come. We welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit, and, and that happens in a lot of different ways, but heaven to earth, that phrase, on earth as it is in heaven, is kind of like a byline that, that could almost substitute as a vision for us, on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we said last week, if it's happening in heaven, it should be happening here. If it's not happening in heaven, then we don't want it to happen here. And so we're, we're pressing into that and that thinking and, and that type of heart mindset. And as a church, what we envision is that this will have feet, that we will do it. 
we won't just sit back and, and talk about it, but that we will see ministries develop and rise up that will go out into this community and that will have a profound impact on the community. Someone said uh, once, we want to make Cincinnati look more like heaven than hell. And, and I like that. We want, we want to make Coleraine look more like heaven than hell and Finneytown and Fairfield and Harrison and all the cities around us. And so that, that's one of the reasons that I wanted uh, Dan and Ellen Fitch to uh, come today and to share part of their story with us. But uh, Dan and Ellen, when you make your way up here, let's welcome them. These are two of my favorite people. Uh, Ellen, uh, if you get to know Ellen, uh, she's a real crack up. She has a great sense of humor and uh, likes to laugh a lot. But uh, they, they lead a ministry called Woven 139. And, and I think the, the passion for it began as I listened to their story in Albania. They were in Albania from 93 to 2002 as missionaries. And the last season of time there, Ellen spent... Uh, focused on uh, gypsy street children and just loving the lost and the least and the broken and those that are, that are pushed, pushed out, of, out of society and out of culture. Uh, they, they came back here, and I'm going to let them tell more about it, but started a ministry called Woven 139, and I'll ask Ellen why the 139 in a moment, but um, they, they have a ministry of prostitutes, and uh, they go out on the streets and they love them, and they, they take food to them, and uh, engage with them in a, a real heart-to-heart loving way. And uh, right now they're going out every Wednesday morning, and you're still doing Thursday nights too, right? Like at 11? Is it 11? 11.30, 11:30 okay. Uh, Lori and I went out one, one of the night uh, excursions, and uh, it was just, uh, I mean, it's the heart of Jesus. Uh, we, you drive around, and I was with the guys, so we were in the back car, and our job is if one of the pimps comes because he's concerned that, uh, that Ellen and the ladies are talking to one of his girls, then the guys get out of the car and talk to the, the pimp or uh, whoever else might, might be there. But um, it, it was just a wonderful night that we had with them, and I'm going to sit down right now and ask Ellen to share her heart for us, her heart for this ministry with us. And, and how God led her into that. So, uh, Ellen, uh, we want to get in touch with your passion. Okay. And uh, so, can you tell us, how did, God, how did God put this in your heart for this to happen? And, and how's it happened? What's, what's, how, how's God done this? Well, um, I think back in 23, or 23, <laughs> I'm not that old, <laughs> 2013, um, I went to a Bible study and we just just hit me. It's like this stuff is going on in my own backyard. Like you were saying, Van, it's passion. And we weren't with the church that said go do it. It was just in our hearts, just this passion to rescue these women. And uh, and then there were about, I guess by January, there were about 20 people. We had about 50 people on board now and about 11 different churches involved 
There's a miracle. Unity in the body of Christ is amazing. <laughs> but um, we go out, like Van said, on Tuesdays or on Wednesday mornings and Thursday nights. And so that's pretty much, I just started with a passion in my heart and sharing it with other people. And I know that other people here, you have passions in your heart. Go with it. God put it in your heart. Just go with it. I talked to a gal earlier and she goes to nursing homes and I told her, I said, nursing homes scare me more than being on the streets. (laughs) So God has called us all to different places. So if it's in your heart, go for it. Go with it. You got a pastor and Lori, these guys, oh my gosh, so back you all the way. They see God involved, look out. Don't <laughs> get you out there. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, well, Ellen, can you tell us about some of the ladies that you meet? Tell us, tell us about them. Like what type of people are they and um, any stories that you have about any of them? Um, over the years, I guess I've probably have met over 200 women. Yes, 200 in this city. And from um, over the Rhine to West Side and all areas in between. And uh, I, we're, we've got a very good relationship with the Cincinnati police. And they said, Alan, there's at least 1,200 prostitutes in this county. These are women on the street. They only get $20, enough to cover their uh, their addiction. All of everyone I've talked to said, I'm trash, I'm garbage. They've all been sexually abused, and hence the heroin to cover the, the hurt that they have inside. And with the epidemic going on in this county, it's unbelievable. So when a girl tells us she wants to stop, she wants to stop the heroin, and she always stops the prostituting. And uh, well, there are some success stories. One guy we saw walking down the street, she's all beep boppy and all that. And she said, hey, I've been clean for two weeks. We were so excited. And we talked to another gal. She had a job at a family dollar. She said, Ellen, I don't make as much money, but I know in the morning I'll be alive. This is the junk these girls face every day. Every day they don't know if they're going to be alive in the morning. Because we've talked to girls and when we pass up food or hot coffee, they'll say, Ooh, I haven't eaten in two days. A lot of times they have to sleep in abandoned buildings, out on the street with the homeless people. And in the midst of all this, we also get, oh, we're so blessed we get to talk to homeless people. The real people. These prostitutes, these girls could be some, they're someone's daughter, someone's sister, someone's cousin. They're real people and they're amazing ladies to get up and face what they face every day. I told Dan the other night, it's like 18 degrees. I said, I'd be a terrible homeless person, let alone one of these girls, because I'd be moaning and complaining about the cold the whole time. But um, these girls are amazing. We've seen um, girls, grandmothers and granddaughters out, mothers and daughters out prostituting, selling their bodies for money. Because a lot of these girls have children. Mama will do anything for baby. If that means selling her body, she'll do it. So we just ask that you pray for these girls if you see them along the street. Don't, or homeless people, don't ignore them. They just want to be touched. 
And that's our goal, to let these girls know how much God loves them. That's why we got the name woven 139F from Psalm 139. This is what God thinks about you. He loves you so much, and he does. And we get these girls, they always accept prayer. And often they'll say, get out of the car, Ellen, we're going to pray for you. <laughs> so uh, they're amazing, amazing women. And to get to know, it's just a privilege and honor that we get to we get to see these people. Because 10, 12 years ago, I was said, no way. You know, I, they want to do this. None of them want to do what they're doing. None of them. So you're seeing, you're seeing women's lives touched by the love of God. That You're seeing some of them just really totally changed. And we want, we want to see more changed. And we're going to see more changed. That's going to happen. But we, we recognize that just showing the love of Jesus, that's worth it right there. Just, just loving people, whatever the results. But uh, we're going to pray that, that we see more and more and more of their lives changed. So... Dan, tell us what the future holds, what you guys are working on right now, and how we can help. Well, um, as Van just said, and any of you who have been here very long, you've heard Wilson say it many times, you, you give people value when you tell them Jesus loves them. And that's what we're doing, and that's what the heart of one thirty Woven 139 is, is to give these women value. And so that's obviously a need for volunteers to become involved. Even though we've got volunteers, not everybody can be there all the time. So we are always welcoming new people in, especially men, because it seems to be more difficult to obtain men because of their responsibilities in the household and work and stuff. But men, women, a few hours a week or a few hours a month is very welcome. That's one way you can help. Another way you can help, obviously, is through finances. It takes money to do anything that you need to do these days. A big part of the vision is to have a place where these women can come during the day that it'd be like an oasis. They can come in out of the cold or they can come in out of the heat. They can come in out of the oppression and the evil that's on the streets and get prayed for and get ministered to and get rest. That's a vision that we have. We're working in a building currently in the neighborhood where we've been ministering that is vacant, praying that perhaps that's God's will that we obtain that building. And ultimately in the future to help plug them into a facility, whether we are personally involved in it or whether we've handed off to another ministry that we may be working with, where they can actually get rehabilitated in the sense of changing their lives, changing the culture Mm -hmm. that they live in so that they can live in society as productive, healthy people who know they're loved by God, who can share that love with others. And then additionally, we have bins at each doorway on the way out that have been there for a couple months and you guys have been gracious and generous in giving uh, supplies into that what it is 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 uh, trial size or travel size hygiene products and uh, all those ways of giving are welcome we are a 501c3 organization at woven 139 have been that for a little more than a year now blessed by god in the way that that came about how quickly and economically it came about and we're just blessed by God in what we do. And one other thing that I didn't mention first service, I want to mention woven one thirty nine is a name that was supernaturally given to the team of about 40 people. When we started gathering and praying and trying to decide what are we going to call ourselves? A bunch of people on the street. And, and we chose woven one thirty nine because 
it specifically says that you were intricately woven together in your mother's womb. <laughs> and it tells the women how precious they are. But then... In addition to that, as Ellen said, we've got people from across this city in northern Kentucky involved, and it's weaving the body of Christ mm-hmm. together as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we just mm-hmm. we appreciate everything that this congregation has done and that individuals have been done and encourage you to obey God in whatever he tells you to do, whether mm-hmm. it's help us or something else. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. We're going to pray for Dan and Ellen. and. Um, so, Wilson, would you come up and pray for them? If you guys want to start stepping down right here, we'll pray for you right down here, okay? I can't hear you. Oh, thank you. While they're stepping down, let me, let me share this. Uh, Lori was just reminding me. We, we have a ministry here called School of Kingdom Ministry. Uh, you'll, you'll hear it referred to as SOCOM. And uh, in the second year of School of Kingdom Ministry, the students have to do a kingdom project. Uh, last year, there were several projects. One of them ended up being drive-through prayer, which is uh, really having a, a great impact on our community. Um, this year... Uh, Barb Steffens and her, her team from School of Kingdom Ministry are working with Ellen to develop a project that will uh, go out and minister to the women on the street. And so um, just uh, excited about that. And we'll just bless them right now and, and just uh, let's thank God for them, okay? I just want to say to you really quick, if you do want to get involved being on a weekly team with them or a monthly team, that's, that's like a really easy commitment email me, wilson at vcnw.org, and I'll get you connected with them and routed into serving with them. Or if there's another way you want to serve or bless them, just you can email me, wilson at vcnw.org. So yeah, if you just want to extend your hands, we're going to, we're going to pray for them right now. I, I talked my wife into coming up to pray with me, but she was like, I'm not praying, but I'll come up. I don't, I don't want to pray in the mic. If you've ever known a pregnant person, you just say, all right. Whatever you say, honey, do it, do it as you want. So, so Lord, thank you so much for Dan and Ellen. Welcome your presence to come and rest on them right now. Thank you for the call that's on their life. We just bless Ellen's leadership, bless the apostolic leadership that she has and the real um, passion. We bless that. Thank you for her heart to mentor and love on others. We just pray for extraordinary um, healings and miracles on the street this week and the rest of 2017. Just anoint and bless them with that. Just bless Dan and all his administrative gifts and his gifts of leadership and organization. Thank you for them. We pray you just pour out provision on the Fitches and on Woven. Thank you, God, that you have it all and that you can... Um, easily release and stir on people's hearts even in this room and across the city, across the nation and across the world to help Woven go to the next level. We just pray you bless them and empower them and we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. And let's thank them again. Honor them. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Don't you want to be part of stuff like that? I mean, don't you want to like make, make room in your life to do something like that?
I mean, I do. That, that's what I want to live for. I want to do this kind of stuff until the day I die. You know, that, that's, that's what this, this vision is about. We want to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth. And there are people in this room right now that have passions in their hearts. They're from God. God's given it to you. And yet you would look at that. You would say, well, I can't do anything with it. You know, I'm not a leader. I'm not this. I'm not that. But God's going to show you what to do with that passion. And there are going to be ministries. What, what our vision would be is that we would see ministries like Woven 139 grow up. And uh, out of this church, out of other churches as well, but the people right here are going to grow up and, and, and raise up and, and begin ministries that you know, maybe don't, don't, don't target the same people, but some other group, some other, some other uh, ministry, that, some other area that is just desperately needs ministry. And, and so we just, you know, part of what we want to do is to put that in your hearts and to say that can be you. You can be the one that, do, that does that. And uh, we have uh, our, the second part of my message today, I'm going to talk about our mission, and, and it has to do with leadership, and we're, we're putting the word leadership actually in the mission, leaders, because we have, I think we have such a wrong view of leadership today in our culture that we want to try to kind of like counterbalance that. And, and maybe it's just my generation, but there's this hesitancy to say God's, you know, God's given me leadership. You know, somehow we feel like, if we say that, we're not being humble. Or, or I'm not a general, you know, I haven't been to, I don't have a master's degree in leadership, therefore how could I be a leader? But uh, as I'm gonna, as we've been teaching these past few weeks and as I unfold this mission here in just a moment, um, I, I, what my heart is is to stir each one, every one of us to, to press up into everything God's called us to. And as we do that, we're gonna see some who are just absolutely, that's their main gifting and calling is leadership. And like, like Ellen and Dan, and they're going to they're gonna draw other people to them. And there's going to be a ministry start that's going to go outside the walls of this building and, and just really impact our community and the lives around us. Now, um, Jesus gave us his mission real clearly in Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to read that to you in just a moment. I had this insight this week as I was reading through Luke. What happens right before this, before Jesus uh, makes this statement that we're going to look at, is this. Jesus went out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights fasting, and, and he faces this incredible temptation from the enemy. Uh, Satan comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, then make, make this stone turn into bread. And really in the Greek text, it's um, the, the way it's stated, it's not if you are, and I doubt that you are. It's really, it should be translated since you are. Since you're the son of God, make, use your power to tra- change these stones into bread. Since you're the son of God, throw yourself off, this, off the temple peak and angels will catch you and everyone will know you're really the son of God and everything will be, your power will be displayed. And, and three times he tempted him with that. And all three times Jesus said no to those temptations because what he was asking Jesus to do was to misuse his power, to misuse the authority he had as the son of God. And Jesus came 
with authority and power for a mission, for a specific thing he was going to do. And so Jesus has just said no to Satan three times. No, I won't do that. I won't do that. I won't do that. And then it says he came out of the desert in the power of the spirit and he went to Nazareth, which was his hometown. He goes into the synagogue and as a budding rabbi, they hand him the scrolls to read scripture. And he specifically turns to this passage in Luke 4 and he says, he reads this. This is a messianic prophecy from the book of Isaiah. They all knew this is the Messiah, okay, who who would fulfill this. And Jesus reads this, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Here's what I saw. Jesus just said no to Satan. No, no, no. Now he comes to Nazareth and in the synagogue he reads this passage that says, I am the Messiah. No to that, what Satan wanted me to do. Yes to this. What I'm going to use my power for is to dismantle Satan's kingdom. What I'm going to use my power for is to welcome the kingdom of God into this earth. And what I'm going to use my power for is, is to bring the life of God and the life of the kingdom into the lives of broken, hurting people. And so Jesus gives his mission there very clearly. And as we look at that, it has to impact our thoughts and our mission and and everything that we do with our lives. Now, when we say kingdom of God come, you could ask the question, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, according to what Jesus says here and some other, uh, other places, when the kingdom of God comes and the more the kingdom is revealed, healing happens. So the more the kingdom is revealed, jobs are found. People have jobs. The more the kingdom is revealed, relationships are healed. And the poor are not just fed, they're, they're taught a different way of life. They, they are freed from a poverty mindset so they can begin to prosper. Now, widows and orphans are cared for. And crime drops. Uh, overall, uh, well, mental illness becomes a thing of the past. Believers become bolder demonized people are freed. They're just freed from from the things that are oppressing their lives. And faith and vision increase. Ministry increases. People sacrifice more. People begin to focus more and more and more on the kingdom of God. And the the kingdom invades. And so we're, we're looking for that. That's what we're looking for, all those things, for the sick to be healed for the demonized to be, to be delivered, for those that are captive to be freed through the name of Jesus. And so Jesus proclaims that, but then he says this at the end of that passage. He says, this is the favorable year of the Lord. And uh, th- that, the idea of God's favor is really a powerful thing. In fact, we got a prophetic word last week from um, one of our people here that's really gifted this way, had no idea what my message was on. But uh, this uh, Susan Steffens said she had a, a vision where she saw God's light shining on this church body. And she, she heard God say that he's going to make it a place of his favor. And it's going to be so much a place of his favor that people are just going to come in and be healed and be converted and be freed. 
And, and so favor is this, uh, is, is this wonderful thing of God smiling on a person. It's, it's, like, it's like God pouring out his blessing. It's, well, it's, here are some of the definitions for it. A special positive attention from a superior. Uh, you know, I count God as my superior. And when he smiles at me, you know, I, I take that. Uh, good-hearted, uh, approving attention. Preferential treatment and partiality. Uh, being held in high regard. So God's favor, this is the day of God's favor. And you and I get to announce it. The the Bible says that we are a kingdom of priests. He has made us a a kingdom and priests. You know, in the Old Testament, what priests did, they stood between the people and God to make sacrifices. And And people would bring animal sacrifices and other sacrifices to them. And they would actually carry out the fact of the sacrifice. And then, in effect, what they did was they pronounced forgiveness. They pronounced God's blessing. They pronounced God's favor on people. Well, today, the sacrifice has already been made. Jesus died on the cross. Uh, the sins of the world, Jesus took the sins of the world on himself and paid for them, rose from the dead. And the Bible says that you as a believer are a priest. Now, I know some of us come from backgrounds where that's hard to imagine, but, but that, that's what the Bible says, that as believers, we are priests. And so as priests today, we don't handle sacrifices because the sacrifice has already been made. What we do is we pronounce blessing. We pronounce favor, we pronounce forgiveness and restoration, and we offer that to the world. And so we have a role in this world. And, and you, even, even if you, you come here and you feel like, you know, I just sit in the back or I just sit off to the side and, and I like coming here, but I can't ever picture myself really being used by God to, to do much, uh, just remember, God's in you. Jesus is, in, Holy Spirit is in you, and he can use you to do anything he wants to do. And what we want to be is a people that are just ready to say, okay, Lord, here we are. Now, the way we press into this, the way we press into favor is uh, found in, in um, Matthew six thirty three. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. He said, seek first the kingdom. You know, what we're talking about there is heart posture. It's the posture of my heart where I orient my heart and I direct my heart towards God. And I say, God, you're the one I want. I want you. I want more of you. I want to know you better. Your kingdom. I'm I'm aligning my life and I'm directing my life towards your kingdom. And do you know that the direction you point your life is where you're going to end up? That's what determines your destiny is what direction you point your life. When we, when we direct our lives towards God's kingdom, uh, it's not that we get more favor. We have already have the favor through Jesus, but we experience it more fully. We just experience it more fully. In, uh, in James, James said that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to whom? Anyone know? To the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Well, what is humility other than positioning myself under God's plan and direction for my life. It's me saying, okay, I, you know, I had these plans, God, I'm seeing your plan now. I'm not gonna submit my heart to yours. What is it other than saying, God, I'm gonna seek your kingdom first. I'm gonna make your kingdom the priority in my life, in the way I use my money, in the way I use my time, in the way I handle my relationships. And as we do that, we're humbling ourselves and, and, and we experience more and more grace. 
But that verse also says he resists the proud. Now, as I was trying to think of you know, how do we describe that, this came to me. That uh, think, of, think of the flow of God's life. Think of the kingdom, the flow of kingdom life as a river. And you are a person that God picks up and he, he takes you out of the kingdom of darkness and he puts you into his kingdom, which means he puts you down right in the middle of that river and there's a current moving the river. And so you're automatically moving in the current of the kingdom. But as you, as you move with that current, you realize, you know, if I just, if I just paddle that direction, if I take a few uh, swimming strokes that direction, I go all the faster. Uh, you know, I go all the more. But th- that's flowing with God's purpose. That's being humble and saying, God, I accept your purpose. I honor your purpose. I want your purpose. But what if a person, in, instead of being humble like that, they're proud and they say, God, I know this is the direction you have, but I want, I want to get onto the shore. I don't want to go with this flow. I want to go onto the shore. And they start trying to swim, cr- swim cross to the current. As soon as they do that, the very same flow that blesses you because you are flowing downstream with the current, that very same, that very same flow resists the, the person that is proud. And if that person tries to go opposite, then they, they receive the full force of resistance. And so when it says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, he's, he's offering to us an opportunity to get into a flow of life with him just by submitting our hearts to him and by saying, I want what he wants for me. I'm going to submit to his kingdom. It's going to be first in my life. Now, the way we have, are stating our uh, mission, as I shared with you, has to do with leadership. And we've talked so much about this in past weeks that I didn't feel like I had to spend a lot of the message on this. But here's the mission that we believe God's led us to. And it's simply this, to raise up world-changing kingdom leaders. Okay? To raise up world-changing kingdom leaders. Now, when we say raise up, we're acknowledging that it's the Holy Spirit that does that. Presence of God and the Spirit of God does that. But we, we provide the culture by yielding to him and by flowing with him. And w- when we say world changing, uh, we're not saying by that that every person here, uh, if they're going to fit into this, needs to buy tickets to Africa or that you have to start planning to, a trip to South America or that you have to start writing books so that you can be a world changing person or, uh, or anything like that. Now, some people here will write books. Some people here will travel around the world and have an impact for the kingdom in that way. But here's what we mean by this. All of us live in a world. You, you have a world. You have a world that consists of your home and your neighborhood, the place you work. And as you carry the kingdom into your world, you're going to change that world. You, you have the opportunity there to influence that world in a powerful way so that there is a flow of God's life through you into that place and literally to change that world. Now, when we say world-changing leaders, we, we put the word kingdom leaders in because we wanted to distinguish. We want to make sure that this, this is focused on the kingdom and it's not just that we're, we're trying to come up with some concept of leadership that um, is, is, um, is j- just something that we would come up with in a normal, normal course of life, but it's kingdom leadership. And there's almost in the church this conflict over the idea of kingdom 
uh, you know, being a godly person or do I need to learn leadership too and which grows the church and which advances the kingdom. And um, some people would say, well, all you need to do is love Jesus. If you just love Jesus, and, and this would be to like people planting a church or people leading a church, if you just love Jesus, then everything else will take care of itself. But then other people say, no, you have to have these leadership principles and leadership structure in place. Here's the way I look at it. Loving Jesus is everything. Without that, there, there is no church. There's no kingdom, no expression of the kingdom. And so loving Jesus is everything. Orienting my heart towards his kingdom is everything. But when you do that, and, and you're able then to begin to see something that other people don't see clearly, and, and you start to articulate some vision of the future like Ellen had, you, you start saying, hey, I, you know, I've noticed all these women on the street and someone's got to do something for them. And, and I don't know what, but we've got to do something for them. And I just have this passion in my heart. We've got to do something for them. And I'm going to start going. I'm just going to start driving down there and talking to them. When someone sees that, they see that passion. They see the heart that is saying, I'm seeking your kingdom first. When they see that, people then, they want to, they want to tag along. They want to become part of it. And when people want to become part of it, then what do you need? You, you need some wisdom in, well, how do I organize them? You know, how do I lead this group? You know, how do we plan for the future and how do we communicate? And so uh, tell me if this illustration works. I think the first service, it didn't work too well. But um, um, I'm going I'm to toss it out here anyway, okay? I thought of a taco. I like tacos. How many of you like just a taco shell? You just like to eat the shell. Maybe a few of you. Maybe with a cold beer on a hot day, a taco shell might be okay. I don't know. But uh, I like the filling. If I had to choose between the taco filling and the shell, I'd take the filling and just eat it with a spoon or with my fingers. But it is so much better when it is contained in the shell. There's, there's structure to it then, and you can, you can divide it up, and you can, have, you can have multiple ones, and you can do them different ways. Okay, the, the filling is like my heart for Jesus, my pa- your passion for Jesus. It is you seeing a vision of what God wants to do. The shell is what we oftentimes think of as like leadership principles or like how to structure a group and, and how to plan ahead and how to do group discussions about issues and things like that. And so you need both. You need both. But um, our, our heart is world-changing leaders, kingdom leaders that, that will see a vision of the future and that we'll say, God, I can't see myself doing that. I don't know how I could ever get there, but I'm going to give it a try. I'm going I'm to trust you with it. Now, as we've said, I believe all of us have leadership potential. We all have different gifts. And one of the things about people whose main gift is leadership is that they organize all the other gifts. And so they catalyze all the other gifts. And they draw all the other gifts out and into, into fruition. But even, even if your gift is helps, or if it is hospitality, or if it is management, or something like that, learning some basic leadership skills in the, in the shell sense will help you to be 
so much more effective in, in the gifting you have. And, and so that's, that's why we want to emphasize this and, and really press in as a church body to the whole concept of us all saying, yeah, I can lead. I can lead. We're all not, not going to all lead to the same degree or with the same impact, but we're all going to serve with impact. And we're, we're all going to be better to serve when, when we learn some of these basic principles and truths of leadership. And so this whole idea of kingdom leaders is what we're shooting for and what we want to see happen. Uh, people that are pressing in to the heart of God and, and seeing things that others around them maybe aren't seeing right now and then, then we're going for it because that, that's what's going to advance the kingdom. And that's what's going to release a church like this to have a dozen ministries like Dan and Ellen's in a year or two. And, and be really impacting this entire city with uh, the presence and life of the kingdom. So we're going to go into worship now. Wilson's going to come up and lead us into our offering first.